Welcome back to the Mammy Show. This is your host, Rohit. Today we have Charles, the real estate investor and entrepreneur. Thank you, Charles, for getting into the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great. Awesome. So would you just like to give a quick intro about yourself, like how you got started with your real estate journey and your entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I grew up in a real estate uh, background family. My father has been a uh, real estate investor since 1984. So I bought my first property after getting out of college in 2006. And it was a, a three-family property where in a small town where I'm originally from, which is in Connecticut. And um, I ended up buying two more properties over the next couple of years. And so with those few properties, I self-managed them, and they were a multi-family, small multi-family, and a commercial property. And um, and then moved down to Florida in 2012. So I had professional management handle those properties. And um, since getting down to Florida uh, in 2012, we've been really focusing on larger properties. And we started syndicating properties, which means that we started partnering with um with passive investors to fund larger properties that we've been purchasing over the last several years. So that's really where we stand right now. And um, moving forward is um, all through Florida, where I'm based, um, Atlanta, Georgia area, and, um, mm. and, and Texas. Awesome. So tell me like why I have my one question, like real estate is big, you know, like, and it's the one of the biggest cash flow in the entire world you know so which is reliable long-term sustainable and so on so why it's so powerful like real estate so uh there's when you're investing in real estate if i mean there's so many different avenues you can go down and um how you want to get involved with it um you know there's flipping properties there's wholesaling properties um and then if you're a long-term investor in some of these properties um you know you can pick everything from shopping centers to office buildings to invest into to you know RV parks right so what we focus on is apartment complexes and and the main thing with apartment complexes are um it's a it is it's something that cash flows really well and the the why that is is because people you know they're paying their rent as one of the the first things they're doing every month okay mm. um if you have some ancillary business uh, it's going to be paid later down right? But rent is one of the most important things. And that's going to be one of the most uh, first things that people pay. And they do it every month, which means that it generates a lot of cash flow for the investors. And um, that's one of the great things about real estate. The other thing about cash flow in real estate is that um, with a lot of different asset classes, um, you don't really get paid uh, you don't get paid really that much during the hold period. You know, you could buy stock and you might get, you know, 1% dividend or something like this. Um, when we're doing our properties and investing, our investors are getting somewhere between seven, eight, 9% cash on cash uh, returns and paid quarterly or monthly, depending on how it's set up. So what this means is that um, they're getting a sizable return, let's say, while still owning the asset every on a regular basis. And that's much more powerful than, um, you know, it's a much more, it's a much higher return than you would with other asset classes that you could invest into. So that's our favorite thing about it is the cash flow. I get it. So, you know, like, so you've been in the invested in the real estate and just major in the US or out of, outside the US as well? We focus in the US and we focused uh, primarily in the Southeast United States, where it, where I am 
where I'm located and where uh, you know three of our main partners are located. Um, we do work with international investors, and we have international investors from pretty much uh, almost every continent. And mm-hmm. um, they like the idea of uh, getting exposure for their portfolio in the United States. So, um, you know, our first investors really were um, par- business partners of mine from companies way before that were based in Europe. So we have a big base of people in um, Central South America that invest with us, um, Asia, and then also in Europe. So those are really where we focus on um, a large part of our investor base is international investors, but we do not focus on properties outside the United States. We we have a very narrow focus of where we mm-hmm. work, which is where we can really dive deep and really provide value to the investors that are working with us. What do you think, like, are there any specific states or cities in the United States where the investor should invest into the real estate or each and every city and state is just best for the real estate? So number one, what we want to do is like if someone wants to invest into U.S. real estate, um, it's it's really important that if you're investing into apartments like what we're doing, so I guess that's what I'll talk about is if you're investing into uh, U.S. apartments, um, how we do it or how I have kind of designed our firm is we really are focusing, number one, on what we call landlord-friendly states. And this is really predominantly in the Southeast United States. Um, parts of the Southwest, but mainly it's in the South. And these are states where the laws are in the favor of the landlord, okay? Which makes it easier if people aren't paying to have them removed from your units. And it also makes it much easier to uh, follow laws because they're much more fair and uh, for both the tenant and the landlord. Um, In other states in like the Northeast or the Northwest um, Mm -hmm. or in most of the Northern part of the United States, um, these laws are much more skewed in the favor of the tenant, which makes it much harder to be a landlord. So number one, I would focus, tell people, uh, focus the southern states for the most part, the southeast is what we really like. And then when you're looking at uh, us inside one of those states, um, you know, you want to be looking at, we look at three things. Uh, we look at number one, we look at the population growth. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to see... Um, population growth over the last 20 years increase um, steadily uh, most years. Uh, we want to see job growth over the same 20 years uh, steadily mm-hmm. increase over those years. And the last thing we want to look at is we want to see a decrease in crime over those last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there's going to be some years that's a little off, lower or higher than what you want to see. But the main thing is, if you look back 20 years and you look at today and you drew a straight line, you know, which way is that going? And, um, you know, investors that make sure that they can check off those three boxes are going to make it much easier uh, to um, they're going to make it much easier in their investment career because there's going to be much more demand for those units. I get it. So tell me, like, I believe like real estate investing, not that easy if someone is getting started from the scratch. So what are the basic, you know, everyone should know before investing into the real estate because and what what mistakes like early real estate investors used to make before investing their first money into the or buying a property, you know? Yeah, number one, that's a great question. I would say that it's really depending on what you what your goal is. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are trying to make fast cash. Let's just say um, flipping real estate might is is riskier, but um, it is a you know you're going to be able to make large sums of money faster. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So if that's your goal, then flipping might be your thing. If you're looking for a long-term investment um, where you're going to have the possibility of having cash flow um, mm -hmm. that you can take off from take from the property monthly or quarterly, whatever it is, then you really want to be focusing on something like multifamily or what we call apart, you know, apartment investing. Okay. And when I say multifamily, it's just, it's just multiple rental units, residential units in one property. And so, um, you know, with these apartments, this is going to be something where you can buy, you know, a, a unit with a property with two units in it. You can buy one with four units in it. Um, you can buy uh, properties. We've, our last one we purchased was 536 units in Dallas. So there's some large complexes out there. As a starting investor, um, if you want to, if cash flow is what you're looking for, then this multifamily apartment investing is probably the way you want to go. Um, a couple things I would do to minimize risk, let's say, is that number one, um, buy property that doesn't require that much work. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, buy property that's it's not going to be requiring a major renovation. You know, in in your future deals, you know, deal three, four, five, and on, you you can buy properties. You'll you'll know what's going on. You'll have a team um, that can assist you with renovations, but you don't want to do that for your first deal. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, you know, when you're getting the financing, financing is a huge part of real estate, right? Because you're going to put up some of the money, but the bank is the lender is going to put up the majority of that money. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, some instances, 95%, some instances, uh, 65%, but whatever it is, that's, that's, uh, you want to make sure that that's going to be fixed, right? You don't have a variable rate or a payment that's going to adjust. Okay. And, um, you know, it might cost you more, but it's going to make it much safer for you. And the last thing I would say is that having reserves, you know, reserves are a huge part. So, um, you know, put away six months of expenses, you know what yeah. I mean, of what that property is going to require just in case there's an issue with tenants or an issue with the property. And then also add to that reserve every month. Um, and that gives you kind of a safety net as that investor if you need to uh, tap into those funds to make a repair because uh, your tenants are going to want stuff repaired as it breaks and you've got to provide that as a landlord. I get it. So tell me like one more thing, like being as a real estate guy, being as a real estate guy, what do you recommend? Someone should be buying their property for themselves or they should be having them as a tenant? What's beneficial? Uh, that's great. I mean, it's uh, buy proper. If you're going to be in an area for, if you're, you know, for your own primary residence, um, I would, you know, I buy property if I was going to be there for 10 years. If you're going to be in an area, if you're going to own a property um, as your own primary residence, um, then you should choose to or look for buying a property versus being a tenant because there's a lot of fees when you're buying a property and when you're selling a property. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, those fees might be 10, 12% um, between brokers and agents and all that stuff by the time when you're buying and selling it. So if you're going to be in there shorter than 10 years, I probably would say to be a tenant. And uh, that might be the best way for when you're living in a property. Um, when investing into a property, um, you know, you want to be able, you, you don't want to be just, if you're buying for cash flow and you're going to be renting out apartments, um, you know, you want to buy for long-term, you know, you want to buy good properties and good areas that mm -hmm. are, that people want to live in and people are going to not only living for one year, but you really make your money in apartments is when you have people that are renewing, right? They're going to, they have a first year lease and they're coming back for year two and year three with you. And that's where you're making a lot of money because you don't have to renovate that apartment between them. You know what I mean? You're just 
fixing stuff that breaks, but you're not repainting, you're not recleaning, you're not finding a new tenant, you don't have downtime. So the main thing is the better properties you buy, you're going to keep tenants for longer. So that's what, that would be my two cents on that. Again, so you've been into real estate for long. Many of our listeners don't know, like maybe they know, but not so much as you. So tell us like, what does the real estate syndication means to yeah, real estate syndication is kind of a fancy term of um, it just means that so there's going to be two parties um, in a syndication and one party is what we call general partners or operators or the sponsors. And those are the people that are really operating the deal, the general partners. Then on the other side of it, you have what we call limited partners or passive investors. And those investors are the ones that only have one job and that is to provide the capital. Okay. So when we're, we are general partners uh, on our deals and when we uh, find a property, we handle everything with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're going to handle finding the property. We're going to handle working with all the different contractors and vendors and property managers to get that property uh, up and running um, or get it running better than it was when we purchased it. And then the limited partners or investors, they're only providing capital to the deal. They're completely passive. Um, once they, you know, once they sign legal documents and wire funds to our attorney, um, they really have no more participation in the project. And we take it from there. And that's great for people that aren't that knowledgeable, that just want to have exposure to real estate in their portfolio. And it's also great for busy people that don't have the time or don't want to become a landlord. Mm -hmm. So these are these are the two main reasons why people will uh, choose to invest in syndication compared to just uh, you know looking online and trying to find a property themselves and renting it out and doing everything. So tell one more thing, like this is for all of us who maybe outside US and or in US as well, like how to invest into the US real estate being as a foreign investor. You know, passively or actively. I mean, <clears throat> I have invested in the Dubai market so far. US will be pretty new. And accredited investors, non-accredited investors, you know that what I mean, you know. I mean, I yeah, so just go through this thing, you know, like this will be pretty new stuff for all mm -hmm. of us. So when you're uh there's so a couple different things there. So first off. If you're a foreign investor, so you're a non-US citizen and you want to invest into the US, it's very possible and we do it a lot. We work with a lot of investors that are foreign-based. Uh, what happens typically how that process works is someone will reach out to us. Uh, we'll get on a, a Zoom call with them and ex they'll explain to us what, what, they, what their goals are, what they want to do, um, if they have any type of structure or any type of uh, anything in the United States yet. What then we'll do is we'll pass them a list of accountants and attorneys in the U.S. that work specifically with foreign investors. Um, that potential investor can now use that resource list, contact one of those professionals or two of them, whatever it might be, and mm -hmm. um, get set up as a legal entity here in the United States, which usually means getting what we call an ITIN number and then setting up a LLC or a limited liability corporation that they can now have a bank account in the United States and they can now invest into US assets. Now, that sounds pretty, there's you know two or three parts to that and it, it sounds uh, pretty simple, but since you're working with the US government, um, it is a three or four month process, okay? 
Um, sometimes it can be shorter depending on the attorney you're working with. But so if it's something you're interested in, you've got to start that sooner than later. And what this does is it allows you to have now a U.S. entity that you can invest with not only us, but other syndicator groups, right? Other groups that are able to um, assist you with uh, accessing properties in the United States. And you can also, this is going to be the same if you want to actively invest too. If you want to buy a property in the United States and you want to you know, hire a property management company to handle it and all this type of stuff, which we do have some international investors I know that have reached out to us before that do that, right? They don't mind being active even though they're outside the United States. Um, and it'd be the same process. You know, Speak to the attorney, get set up in the United States, um, get a corporation set up, and then um, you know, kind of move forward at that pace. Um, if you, when you, when you're mentioning the accredited and non-accredited investor status, mm. what's just what this means is that in the United States we have uh, the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, and they have a set of rules that um, for certain what we call placements or investments um, require you sometimes to be an accredited investor, and some of the deals that we offer require you to be an accredited investor. And probably the and then another half of the deals do not. And what a credit investor means is that you have over a million dollars of net worth, yeah. not counting your house, yep. or as a single person, you're making over $200,000 a year, or with you and your spouse, you're making over $300,000 a year. And um, it's about 8% to nine, I think it's eight or 9% of the United States fits into that accredited basket, right? Credit investor basket. So there's not, you know, it's it's definitely a minority of US people that are able to invest into those accredited only deals. However, there's less paperwork for managers mostly for those deals and they're able to actively uh, actively um, promote them. So if I had a deal that was for accredited investors only, um, I could come onto your show and pitch to you right now yeah. and say, hey, we, we have this, we have that. We can, you know, you can do that. You can advertise, I can put a billboard up. Yeah. If I have a deal that's for non-accredited investors, I need to have that relationship with a person. One of our partners at our firm needs to have that relationship with that investor prior to offering them that. Okay, so if we have a relationship now, you and me, uh, yeah. we've spoken uh, a couple times. If a deal came up in a month or two down the road, I now can offer you that deal because we have a relationship. Okay, mm -hmm. but if an investor from the show just reached out to me and said, hey, he wants to know right away what we have. Well, that's something I cannot do. We can start the relationship, we can speak, we can build that substantive yeah, relationship, yeah. but it's not as easy as me just, okay, great, sending you, you know, sending you out a link to our portal and getting set up on it. So <laughs> it's um it's it's different things if you're, but it's not, I want to explain it is that it's if you're not accredited, so you're just starting in your investing journey, um, you can yeah. still look at accredited deals. There's nothing wrong with it. You're just unable to invest into them. And when someone reaches out to us, we add them on and we speak to them. We can add them onto both lists. We have two mailing lists, one for accredited and one for non-accredited. So once we speak to you and we build a relationship, um, we can add you onto the non-accredited list. But off the bat, we just add you right onto the accredited list because you can look at all all day long. You're just on it, you know, because we can promote them any way we want. It's just if you're non-accredited, you just can't invest into them. So it's great to start seeing deals if you're interested, no matter where you are in your investing cycle. No one's going to, you know, um, char charge you any money for seeing these deals. It's great to see what's being available out there and what the offerings are and what's a, what's a, you know how you can get exposure in your portfolio to real estate.
I get it. You said that like contacts is contracts. You know that network is equals to net worth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> mm. Awesome. So I think many of our listeners, not many, like almost 90% of them must be doing a job full-time, part-time or any of the things. So how they can invest the, how they can have the first step to the investment into the real estate, you know? Uh, it just figure out exactly what your goal is. Um, I mean, there's some investors that um, if, uh, you know, like a firm like ours, if you're interested in reaching out to us, you know, our firm is harborsidepartners.com. And we have a guide there on learning to invest passively into real estate. But um, figure out really what you want to do. If you just want exposure in your portfolio and you don't want to be a landlord, then passive investing is for you. If you want more hands-on and want to become a landlord, then um, active investing, and that's a, uh, you know, that is a completely different job. You know what I mean? So if you have a job, this is going to be another job on top of it. So mostly I see our most, our largest investors are passive investors because they are in another business or in another job that's well-paying. And they're just looking to invest part of their income, a part of their net worth, their portfolio into deals that we're doing. Yeah. And I think like, if someone wants to get in as a passive, they can just have the monthly dividends, to be honest. Number one thing. And yeah. if just someone wants to hop in as a full-time, they can just roll in, take a big risk and manage every single thing on their own and either to lose or either to win. It's just like for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because it's, it, it, it's not just the whole money. If everyone look into the real estate, but there are the bunch of economic things as well. How the economy is going, what the things are happening. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, Charles. Sure. So any best advice do you have for anyone who just want to get started with the real estate? Who is young, probably early 20s, want to get their first property or want to have their first step into the real estate? What should they know? Um, I would, you could start with our website. We have a lot of information on there. Uh, I have a podcast that has uh, nearly 400 episodes on there and there are strategy podcasts or some um there are also some podcasts there. Uh, most of them are interview-based podcasts. So you can get a lot of first-hand knowledge from myself and from our guests about uh, learning about real estate, learning how to invest in it as an active or passive investor. Um, my podcast is called Global Investors Podcast, and you can find a link right on our website at harborsidepartners.com. And um, you know that would probably be one of the first things I would start with if you were interested in passively or actively investing. We will put everything on the description so anyone can just have a look. Awesome. Thank you so much, Charles, for getting into the show and sharing these insights with the audience. So yeah, thank you so much for having on. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.